1: Hello and welcome to mini episode 160 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have six spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from the 26th of December 2021 and story number one comes from Lee John. I started a new job in April of this year and I emailed you in May as my new boss introduced me to your podcast. It was an experience my son had had when he was a toddler. He is now 14 and nothing spooky has happened to him since or me until this month. I'll start by telling you that my boss has the gift. She does tarot herself after she went to have a tarot reading and the lady doing the reading said she'd never had someone walk into a room and bring so many people with her. The lady said it was quite overwhelming and when she said that you could hear footsteps walking down the corridor and the door shut as if these people who came with my boss had left. My boss went there alone. Anyway, she's really open and frank about it. To the point where I was being interviewed for the job she told me the building was haunted and asked if that would be an issue if I was offered the job. I told her it wouldn't be a problem and that I've always wanted to see something for myself and would welcome the experience. I shared the one story I'd had of my son's experience and she told me a couple of stories some personal to her and her home and family but some based in the office where I'd be working. The lights in individual rooms would switch themselves off and doors would open and close on the second floor. The entire second floor were working from home and those doors were locked. This would be followed by clear footsteps you could follow the sound from one end of the office upstairs to the other. On several occasions, the alarms have gone off at stupid o'clock in the morning as the motion sensors have triggered and the report has stated the movement was on our floor in my future office. One evening, my boss and a colleague were the last to leave and lock up. They got as far as the car park, and my boss had to come back in, deactivate the alarms, and search the building. All because my colleague swore blind she watched someone on the second floor move across the windows from one side of the building to the other. A path that would have included a locked door, and a wall. I said, I want that. Exactly that. Not a corner of your eye or blink and has gone trick of the mind, but something I could stare at, follow, and have the time to wonder, what the fuck are you? Careful what you wish for. Eight months later and I have a catalogue of experiences that I'm writing off as explainable, much to my boss's frustration. I walk into the kitchen and flick the lights on which flick off behind me. Dodgy electrics. Doors slamming shut in the empty office upstairs. Car doors. Shutting in the car park and echoing into the building. Many other things I won't bore you with. They bored me until one night late november my boss had left to finish her day from home and i found myself the only person in the building it was 5 p.m and pitch black outside when i was leaving and i didn't notice that someone had switched off the foyer lights until i switched off the office lights and i was thrown into darkness at that point i realized i had forgotten my hat and walked back to my desk without switching the light on i reached over to grab my hat And as I intended to turn 180 degrees, I stopped at 90 degrees and looked the length of our office space. Halfway down on the left was a Christmas tree. Yes, in November, don't get me started. And on the right was my colleague's desk. Down the bottom was my boss's desk along the far wall. I don't know what caught my attention, as the desk, the cabinets, the printer, etc. is all in silhouette. All I see is black shape on black shape on black shape but something wasn't right to the point where I didn't turn to leave but I kept looking down the office and sidestepped to my left and that's where I saw it. As I moved to the left something at the other end of the office moved to the right. A dark shape at least as tall as me moved. Had it stayed put It would have been obscured by the Christmas tree. But I took another step left and it moved again to stay in my line of sight. Another two steps and it moved with me along the front of my boss's desk. The wall behind my desk had a window on the far right. The blinds were drawn and they're very dimly lit by moonlight. But as this black mass moved in front of them its shape became clearly defined. And I can make out a head, shoulders, and my brain bellows. Shadow Man. I am not ashamed to say there's a third option, I discovered, to fight or flight, and it is fuck that. I was out the door like a shot. I flicked the foyer light on and put my foot against the base of the door as I locked it. I slid along the wall of the foyer to the exit, backed out of the door, and reached an arm back to switch the light off before putting my foot against the door as I locked the building up. I got in my car, locked the doors before even starting the engine and got the hell out of there. I'd like to think that I bravely shit myself. In the days since, my boss and I stayed and tried to recreate what happened. We've been unsuccessful. I'm the only male member of staff on the ground floor. And since the vast majority of the organisation is working from home, I'm often the only male in the building. There was one other before my time. Keith. Keith. And my boss's reaction to my frantic telling of this encounter was a nonchalant, oh yeah, Keith saw shadow figures all the time. When I was reading this story, I had such a horror movie moment. When Lee John said, and I went back to my desk without turning the lights on, if I was watching this in a horror movie, I would literally be like, turn the fucking lights on. I would be screaming at the TV, screaming at the TV every time. People do that in horror movies when they go somewhere without I turn the lights on. I'm like, turn the lights on! What's really interesting about this story is that this shadow figure clearly wanted to be seen. Like it moved with you. And like you said, if it had stayed behind the Christmas tree where it was, you wouldn't have seen it. But obviously something in your peripheral vision or something in your gut instinct made you go, there is something in this room that shouldn't be here. And therefore... You had to find out what that thing was. But it made itself known to you. And I wonder if it's something to do with men. You know we often talk about ghosts and spirits that target women. Maybe this one in particular was something to do with men. So Keith used to see this shadow figure all the time. And now you're seeing the shadow figure all the time. Maybe it's something to do all the time. I say all the time. Now you've seen the shadow figure rather. Maybe it's something to do with male energy. Maybe this shadow man wants to be perceived by males. It's a weird one, isn't it? Because you'd wonder what the benefit of that is. What is the benefit of only like exposing yourself, as it were, to certain people? Is it that this particular shadow figure wants to intimidate the men in the office? Or just make itself known to the men in the office in particular? Because you'd also think, you know, if your boss, who went to the tower reading and had loads of people around her, as in people who had passed on, that surely the shadow figure would make itself known to her, but apparently it hasn't. I also enjoy your scepticism and your boredom with some of the perceived paranormal stuff that was happening in the office. I enjoyed that a lot. But do keep us updated if anything else happens, because it kind of feels like this, whatever it was, purposely made itself known to you. It wanted you to know it and to notice it. And therefore, I doubt very much that this is going to be the last thing you experience. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. You should celebrate yourself every day. And strain number two comes from Anonymous. The paranormal has always been a vast area of interest to me. Not particularly the idea of ghosts, but things related to demons, witchcraft, sleep paralysis and so on. And there's a reason behind that which is embedded in the stories I'm going to tell. Take note that some of these are second-hand experiences that I've heard, that can't be anything but true, due to the proof I've gotten from my own experience with the supernatural, the first one is an incident that took place with my dad during his undergraduate life. His was an engineering college on the outskirts of Aranasai, a city in Uttar Pradesh, India. There was only farmland and forests surrounding the college campus at the time, along with a small but crowded village from where my father caught the train home to Lucknow during the holidays. Now the cliche about Indian villages is that most of them, if not all of them, have some or the other form of unnerving stories and legends, mostly about witches and curses, which the locals regard highly. The same could be said about the village near my father's campus. There were numerous precautions the villagers took to stay away and appease these forces, like not going into the fields after six in the evening and not sitting under peepal trees, since it is widely considered all over the country that these trees are home to spirits, and by doing so you may be subject to possession." These warnings, and many more, were all heeded by my father and colleagues, but sometimes, being the youths that they were, they couldn't help but take a late evening stroll around the village, or sometimes on the terrace of their hostel. It was on one of these walks that the most astonishing thing happened. My father and his friends were sitting on the terrace, having a yarn one evening, when one of them spotted a flickering light at a distance, just parallel to where they were sitting, This was a three-storied building, away from any houses and above the short trees. So whatever this thing was, it had to be flying. I say flying because as the group watched, the flickering light drew closer until they could see it clearly. What they saw, in my father's words, could clearly be described as an earthen pot. Except it was on fire and was twenty feet off the ground. It did not stop but went on to some unbeknownst destination. What they had just seen defied all laws of physics. And to add to the peculiarity, according to my dad, it didn't look as if the pot was levitating on its own, but rather as if someone was carrying it. Now, there's a well-known Indian legend related to black magic, which literally states what they had seen. The pot, which is set on fire is also set to a person, in particular, to kill that person. Now, how it gets its victims is the typical way people say a witch or a jinn gets you. It follows them, never appearing within reach or sight of its victims, calling out his or her name in voices of people he or she knows. And if they turn around or follow to where the call comes from, they come to encounter this cursed pot and are set on fire. The only way to get rid of the curse is to ask the sender to undo it, or use counter black magic to break it. If my father knew the person the pot was sent in the name of, it would have been completely invisible to him, and it's a relief that it wasn't. My dad was also subject to sleep paralysis in his youth. He says he saw what he called colourful men. These men glowed in neon colours, and some of them even wore hats. He said they had small black eyes like points. Made by black marker on paper, and kept on calling out his name and beckoning him. My dad passed it off to typical sleep paralysis symptoms, but due to the fact that hat men are so common in your stories, I had to put it in here. This is a personal sleep paralysis experience I had when I was 10, which I find hard to explain. I get this from my father, so I've only ever shared the story with him. I had a usual habit of listening to podcasts when I went to bed. This night wasn't any different. I fell asleep listening to the podcast and woke to the feeling of being picked up. I couldn't move, open my eyes or even breathe. I couldn't feel what was carrying me but I definitely wasn't on any solid surface and I struggled to gain control of my body. As I did so, I felt myself getting carried away and away from my bed and with the agony of not being able to breathe I couldn't think straight as to what direction I was being taken to Then as quickly as I was picked up I was let go of and it was pure dread as even in a suffocating state I knew there wasn't anything to cushion my fall but there was as I felt myself falling abruptly on my bed as if it just broke my fall out of nowhere. This happened every night and it was mentally taking a toll on me and just as I was about to hit the breaking point these nightmares stopped. It was only later on my father told me he had experienced nightmares of this kind and that it was a spiritual duty of mine to keep these entities away. A duty which I haven't needed to fulfill since then. You know sometimes when you hear a story and it's so absurd that you think somebody couldn't possibly have made it up. That's what this kind of story is. And I love these really niche legends that exist in other countries where it's like you know, you you send somebody a curse and it comes after them in the form of a burning pot. I Like, at some point, I need to look up the origins of stories like that, particularly from India, because India has some great folklore and legends and stories of that ilk. And it gave me shivers when you said that how that works is the pot is sent to to that person, but an entity will throw their voice and mimic a member of your household, or somebody that you know in order to lure you in. How many times have we heard that before from stories all over the world? These mimics, these voices that are like pretending to be your mother, father, sister, brother, partner, whoever it is. And then guess what? You follow the voice and now we found out what happens. You follow the voice and a big flame and pot sets you on fire. That is more of a reason not to follow the voice, ladies and gentlemen. We've solved the riddle. I can't help but feel like as well, your sleep paralysis experience sounds like an out of body experience, which I think happens to people a lot at nighttime or people kind of learn to control it and stuff. That's what it, it doesn't sound like traditional sleep paralysis to me. It does sound like an out of body experience. And strain number three comes from David. My name is David. I'm a train driver in the UK. I've been driving trains for a number of years and have just over a decade of overall railway experience. The story i have is one that still gives me shivers to this day i booked on for duty at 2 40 am one cold dark and wet wednesday morning as the first driver to book on i started to get the office ready for the day turning on the lights the heaters and sorting out all the paperwork for the day's drivers to pick up i then walked down to the train siding torch in hand and fought my way through the rain to where the train was sat overnight I opened the cab door and climbed up into it and shut it behind me. Straight away, the train sat in darkness with no lights. Seemed unusually eerie. The coldness really caught me off guard and looking along through the dark train made me feel extremely uneasy. However, I mustered up the courage to act professionally and start walking through in darkness to make sure nothing was untoward. For example, a door left open or... Any faults that I could see before departing. This train was what we call an ECS train. This stands for Empty Coaching Stock, a train carrying no passengers to and from a station or siding to either finish in the depot or to start a train service at a different location. As I set up the cab and turned the heater on, my ears picked up the saloon doors, the carriage to carriage doors, opening and closing by themselves. I looked through the security spy hole in my cab door to see nothing untoward. But still, the door directly behind me kept opening and closing. I thought nothing of it. Now, having left the siding and settled down for a 40-minute journey alone on a train at night, with it swaying and rocking on the rails, I found myself gliding through the countryside with not a house or light visible for miles, just me and my train, Arriving about four miles outside of my starting point, I was brought to a stop at a red signal. Having driven efficiently, I now have to wait for my timing slot into the station. This was where I got creepy. While in my cab, lights off and sitting snugly, I heard three quiet taps on my cab door behind me. I instantly froze and it took my breath away. I wouldn't dare open the door. I kept thinking to myself, Have I missed somebody asleep on board? A member of cleaning staff? I checked the train and its toilets and they were all clear before I left. My brain told me to stop being so stupid and at least look through the peephole in the door. My heart was telling me to ignore it and check once we were in the station with other people around. I decided against good judgement to look. I turned on all the inside lights on the train hoping it would make me feel less nervous to look through and pressed my face up against the door and into the glass hole. My heart skipped. Somebody about five metres behind my door, sitting down on a seat, leaning to their left into the aisle, and looking at me, holding their mouth as if they knew I was watching. It was then the light started to flicker in my cab. My heart rate could not have been measured off the scale heartbeats. From what I can remember of the four to seven seconds of looking at this man, I could make out that he wasn't well-dressed and had a slightly grey look to him. Not to say that he was a poor man, but he did look rather drab and worn. I spun back around in my seat and waited, heart beating out of my chest for that bloody signal to turn green. After investigation on our internal logs, in 2016, It was the same train a man died on from a heart attack while on board. The man still haunts that train, with other drivers reporting the same thing, and with clearing staff going in groups of three to clean the train. The amount of emotion at train stations and on trains surely clings onto the railways. The farewells and happy returns have an effect, I'm sure. Oh, holy moly. That sent chills up and down my spine. I think there is so much stuff that happens on trains, on railroad tracks. There's so much high emotion. Like like you were saying, those farewells, those happy returns, people leaving and never coming back, people meeting people for the first time. Like it's such a place of emotion. Train stations, trains and railroad tracks. I, I think it would be absurd to think that there isn't some sort of energy left behind but not that kind of energy. And thinking about it at like three o'clock in the morning, you know you're on your own on that train. And then you know, like, can you see this man staring back with his hands over his mouth? No, 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 no. I'm not entirely sure if you meant that his hand was like over his mouth or his hands were around his face, like the Munch scream painting. Either way, it's equally as horrific. I, I hate both versions of it. I think I would have had to have been peeled off the floor of that train carriage. That is terrifying. I do have a wholesome train story that might make some of you feel better. I can't remember all of the full details, but there is a particular tube station in London. Maybe it's Liverpool Street. I don't remember. But if you're in there, the automated announcements in that train station, in that tube station, are different than everywhere else on the tube line. So a couple of years ago, they brought in new automated announcements and this woman asked for them to be changed because her husband had been the voice of the announcements for years and years and years and he had died and she used to go and sit in the train station and listen to his voice every day because it was her way of hearing his voice again and they changed it back for her. They got rid of the um, automated announcement in that particular station and they changed it back to her husband's voice. I can't remember which one it is but if you look it up, it was only a relatively recent story and it's... Oh, oh, my heart. And story number four comes from someone who wanted to be just known as someone from Lockerbie. This is about the Lockerbie Air disaster which happened at 7.03pm in 1988 when I was 11 years old. Here in Lockerbie we still remember what happened at this time of year. But we also celebrate Christmas and look to the future. At around 9.30pm, a few hours after what happened on that night... My dad, sister and I decided to go for a walk into town, meeting people we knew on the way, talking about what had happened, what we had seen and just trying to make sense of it all. I'll spare you the details, as it was just horrific and we ended up being at one of the crash sites as we had elderly family members living just next to it. As you can imagine, when we got to the town centre, it was just like a scene from a disaster movie, with people, military, media, police, just chaos everywhere. I remember the big yellow pipes running through the streets to pump water to the firemen who needed it. As we got closer to the main crash site, there was just solid, thick smoke hanging in the air from the police station onwards, kind of like the dust smoke you would see from the Twin Towers footage. Just before it, I saw a little girl I knew from school across the road. I thought it was odd she was on her own as she was younger than me. She waved at me and I waved back. The next day in the newspaper it listed the people and families from the town who had died. I said to mum, no that's wrong. I saw her last night and she waved to me. Of course the newspaper was right. I couldn't have seen her. as She had already died at 7.03pm. I got upset and kept on insisting that I saw her, I saw her. A few years ago my dad became friendly with a guy not from here, who had moved to the new houses just near where the crater had been. He confided in my dad that he kept seeing a little girl in his bedroom, matching the description exactly of the little girl I knew from school. I hope she's okay, as it made me sad that she is still earthbound after all these years. So if you're unfamiliar with the Lockerbie air disaster, it was a bombing that happened on a flight going from Frankfurt to Detroit. It was Pan Am Flight 103 and a bomb was planted on board and the bomb exploded and brought the plane down and 243 passengers and 16 crew were killed as well as 11 residents of Lockerbie. I believe as it stands today, it's still the deadliest terrorist attack that has ever happened in the history of the United Kingdom. And I mean, it's just horrendous. But I'm not going to labour the point do feel free to look up what happened if you want to know more information about it. In regards to the little girl, like maybe she's not earthbound. Maybe it's just a an echo of her that the man that your dad was speaking to keeps seeing rather than actually her being stuck there. And maybe you seeing her was her waving goodbye. Oh, it was just really, which is really awful, really. I mean, all of it's awful. I'm trying to figure out a way to make it less awful, but I don't think that's appropriate to her story and to the story itself so we're just going to accept that it was a terrible terrible tragedy and I hope that all of the victims all 270 of them have found peace and story number five comes from Chloe I'm in sixth grade and I was getting ready for school one morning and I felt like I was being watched I have a pretty big room and I don't share my room so I was in there alone I just decided to brush it off and proceed with my day. I remember running downstairs to get in my car and I was standing in our driveway waiting for my mom and brother to come outside. I was standing at the passenger side when I saw my brother walk around the driver's side to the back of the car. I called his name wondering what he was doing. He didn't answer, but instead came up to the driver window and started writing something. When I darted over to his side, because we're not allowed to write on our mom's car, He ran back to the back of the car full speed. When I went behind the car to see what was going on, he wasn't there. I felt a chill run up my spine knowing he couldn't have gone that quickly. I tried to calm myself down and then went to see what he had written on the window. What I saw will stick with me forever. It wasn't my brother's handwriting. It was really sloppy and dripping off the car window. The word on the window was hell. I quickly erased it and felt like I was being watched but this time with an intention to harm me. I jumped in the car and calmed myself, thinking my brother was just out here early and was playing a prank on me. That was until I saw my mom coming out of the house, with my brother trailing behind her. That's not my only paranormal experience. We think we have a ghost in our house whom we named Tommy. He likes to open our back and front door and even just slam random doors in our house, but overall we're pretty used to it. The only other thing that would stay with me is the time that I swear I had sleep paralysis. Nobody believes me but there were two small children wearing lederhosen. We come from a German town so this is occasionally what Germans wore in the past. The girl told me that they were playing in a small field which our house and several houses beside us were built on. They claimed they were kidnapped and killed by an unknown man. The unknown man came back to their parents and claimed it was an accident and they fell. And the boy went after the girl. He made it look like an accident. But they want their parents to know what really happened. I never got their names. But their tiny dog that was with them at the time, I still see running in circles in the field behind our house sometimes. I gotta say, that doesn't sound like any kind of sleep paralysis that I've heard of before. If you were to look at this from the paranormal aspect, maybe they were German children that had settled there many, 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 many years ago. And that something untoward had happened to them and maybe that was their way of communicating it. And they wanted to tell their parents, but obviously not in the right time period, not in the right time frame at all. And as for the first part of the story, listen, listen, Chloe, what I would do is I would just presume it was your brother, whether or not he's capable of running at the speed of light. Just presume it was your brother. Brothers are annoying. I've got two older brothers. They're really annoying. And sometimes it's just easier to blame stuff on them. And our last story today is actually something a little bit different. So our last story, story number six, comes from Chill Vibes. And Chill Vibes sent in a voice note rather than a written down story. And this, I think this has only ever happened once before. And I'm totally here for it. So we are going to listen to Chill Vibes recount their story.
0: Okay, so um, this story is... um related to um a relative or two of my relatives um i believe so and this happened the uh, last year of 2020 or 2019 i can't remember um basically what happened was my dog Charlotte who was very old at the time um passed away due to Uh, Either a tumor in her brain or just age. um, Mind you, Charlotte was a very, very big part of our family. And then we also had my father's mother who passed away. um, Which unfortunately happened 2017, 2018. Um, And this was a big cluster of stuff, so it was very scary, so, anyways, um, moving on, when my dog Charlotte passed away, um, she, when she passed away, um, it was a very bad day, obviously, I had to go to school on the day she died and was put down, couldn't say my last goodbye, but, anyways, other than that, um, I'm gonna try to make this as quick as possible, um, when I went to bed, uh, mind you, I was very, very paranoid and sad, because I, be- I believe, I'm not a skeptic, I believe in spiritual stuff, I'm big, big person on that, um, I get paranoid very easily, so I'm, s- I went to sleep, Mind you, that was the day that my dog died. Um, and I kid you not, I, I, I must have pissed the bed or something because I, I, when I woke up, I was sweating. So I had a nightmare, and this, this is gonna be terrifying to hear, but I'll also sorry for the audio in the background, but, um, I had a nightmare that my dog, my dead dog, was. Standing on her hind legs, looking as if a, like, she was a werewolf, like one of those humanoid werewolves, with red eyes, just staring at me. I woke up, and I know this sounds weird, I woke up sweaty, went back to bed, because obviously it was like 2am and I had school, and, uh... I had an out-of-body experience. I was out of my bed, and I saw my dad's mom and my dead dog. My dead dog was, um, I, I would send photos, but I'm not sure if I could do that. Um, my dead dog was sitting outside of my doorway, um, sitting down. Um, and my dad's mother was standing, and she was smiling, um, and then I woke up, and (laughs) when I went to sleep, mind you, my door was closed, I woke up to my door open, which scared me, because mind you, where I live, it's not haunted, it's, it's never been built on, like, anything, um, so... But yeah, that's that's basically what happened and then I think later this year I had another dream and this scared me very badly. Um I saw Charlotte on the stairway which mind you I live in a townhomes. So Charlotte was on the stairway and I kid you not, she was running up the stairway. Thinking about this makes me almost cry. <laughs> she was running up to the stairway really fast. With her head upside down. And this is probably going to give me nightmares, but... Um, I will, I I don't, I don't know if that was a dream or not, because I couldn't remember anything after that. But, uh, yeah, um that happened, I still live in the same apartment because um obviously where I live there's no houses, but um yeah. I hope you like my story. Um also I just wanna say if this does get put on, on the episodes, I would like to say that for anyone who's listening or is new to the podcast You should definitely listen to more of it because this stuff is addicting and I can't stop listening to it because it is just a different type of vibe that I can chill to. So, yeah. Anyways, thank you for listening to my story. Um, I'm definitely going to be listening to more of your podcasts. Anyways, goodbye.
1: I love when people send in voice notes. I just think it is the sweetest thing in the world. I'm a big fan of a voice note. It's kind of a running joke in my friendship group that you can't ever get a text back from me. i just voice note instead. Big fan. I kind of have this weird feeling that this is very similar to the voice note that I played previously, or it's the same. But I think that might just be because they're both voice notes. But I can't find the original episode where I played a voice note. Like there's 428 episodes. Sometimes it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack, trying to figure out what episode is what. But if it is the same story, I apologize greatly. I don't think it is, but I also can't shake that feeling that it might be the same story and I might just have gotten mixed up with my emails. Although I don't think I did. I do, like I like. you guys know, I do all these stories chronologically. Well, anyway, that story was terrifying. There's something about having a somebody you love, like a loved one or a pet, come back to you in a non-positive way that I think is more terrifying than anything else, to be perfectly frank. Like, that's really scary. Because when you think about the stories we have about loved ones, nine times out of ten, it's like, they came back and told me everything was going to be okay, or I heard their pitter-patter of their paws. This is the dog coming up the stairs with its head upside down. That's scary as, that is so scary. I don't want to make this about me, but after my grandmother passed away, I had a dream about her where she had morphed into this like terrifying, giant, rabid otter otter, and I was in her house trying to keep this otter out but I was absolutely fully sure with my grandmother and she was terrifying so that you know they don't they don't always come back in the nicest of ways thank you so much for listening to today's episode thank you to Lee John Anonymous David someone from Lockerbie Chloe and Chill Vibes for sending in your stories remember the last story came from the 26th of December 2021 if you are desperate for more stories you can sign up to patreon dot com forward slash real life ghost stories where for five dollars a month or two dollars a month you get access to heaps of extra content and all of the main episodes and mini episodes completely ad free if you want to know more about real life ghost stories podcast you can check out real life ghost stories podcast.com and on that note i shall see you next time